I need a butt flap. Like, you would think he would at least be like, I will cut my own butt flap out. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't even do that. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanny Show Torture Cinema. Excuse me, sir. I'm white. Honk, honk. <laughs> it's still funny. <laughs> Even though I knew it was coming, it's still funny. Because <laughs> this movie's ridiculous. So ridiculous. <laughs> so I'm Sean, and on today's show, we're going to tell you what we're drinking and discuss 1975's The Giant Spider Invasion, which our Patreon supporters selected because they're monsters, which is suitable because this was a monster-themed poll in honor of my guest today, who is fabulous and wonderful, and that is Tanya Ransom. Hi, Tanya. Hello. This is your fault because you were like, I want to <laughs> do October-related stuff, and I was like, great, uh, let's do let's do the, the Halloween one. Yes. And you're like, just make a poll, and I went, great, I'm going to do really bad monster movies, <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And I'm super excited about this. This is a terrible movie, but it's going to be a great discussion. Well, before we get to that subject of drinking and the summary and us talking about the movie proper, a reminder for folks, if you have seen this movie, and if you haven't, it is free on Tubi, but is also on YouTube, I found out, for free, probably not technically legal, but I don't care. Go watch this movie and then let us know what you you think about it. But you can also let us know about past episodes. And you can do that at skiffyfanny.com slash listener suggestions. So we're working on that mailbag episode. And I would love to send questions to Tanya about Tanya's opinions about this movie. (laughs) And then get Tanya's answers. Do that if you dare. And on that note, Tanya, what are you drinking? I'm drinking my old staple, the Kraken and Dr. Pepper. I got to try that. I don't have any Kraken in the house, but I got to try that at some point. Well, that should be legal. You should always have Kraken in the house. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I'm a monster. You are. Is it good, though? It is really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, dangerously good? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's pretty much all I drink that, or I drink um, Crown, the salted caramel version of Crown, which is really, really good, but Ooh. it's like a seasonal thing, so I only, I drink the Kraken, you know, when it's not Christmas time, and then when the seasonal stuff comes out, I switch to the salted caramel Crown. Y- you do know you can buy extras of the seasonal and then you oh, can have I it do. year round. And they almost always last me all year. Like I just drank the last little bit of my last bottle. But yeah, I usually do stock up like whatever they have left over, you know, in January, like I'll buy the whole shelf. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me 10% <laughs> off. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I look like a total alcoholic when I do it. But like I want it all year long. So. So. Me, what am I drinking? I'm drinking something that's green, which Tanya can see and nobody at home can see. And it is what I am just going to call a toxic spider cocktail, which (laughs) is a version of the silver spider cocktail. But because I don't have white creme de menthe, I have put regular creme de menthe. Hence why it is bright green. And this has uh, triple sec creme de menthe, vodka and white rum in equal measures, all in the same glass. And I will tell you right now, uh, it was it was a mistake. (laughs) <laughs> because uh ooh, it is strong this is i should have used midori for the green i think it would have been better oh. off but yeah because the nice sweetness for midori would have been like oh yeah yeah you can have to try that and let us know what it's like i will do it with midori absolutely i love midori but this this oh, yeah. is uh this is a toughie oh boy well it looks like nyquil is what it looks like like the original nyquil 
that's that's what it looks you like. You know what? If you took NyQuil and make it mint flavored, that's kind of what this is like. That's what it tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> this is not selling this. Oh drink no, this is not me, good. Right? <laughs> I do not recommend anyone try this. This is this is like medicine. Like this this is like Mary Poppins showing up, but like Mary Poppins have been smoking for a couple of years and is like <laughs> spoonful of medicine. You know, like all that stuff. Yeah. Well, there we go. We got the drinks. And so now it is time for a summary, which is a big deal because this movie is very 70s. <laughs> and yes. I have been elected as the summarizer of the basic premise of this movie, which I just want to note is not going to explain any of the 800 side plots that are not at all resolved in this movie one minute. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, I I think off podcast, I was describing this movie and I think quite accurately as the giant spider invasion is what happens when you take Gilligan's Island, Beverly Hillbillies, and then merge it with like any 1975 like TV movie. And that's what you get. It it features among its actor list, uh, none other than the skipper himself, as well as a bunch of other very well-known character actors and other people of varying degrees of questionable quality. And one dude that looks like Ron Jeremy's dad. <laughs> Dr. Vance. Does! <laughs> oh my god, is he though? He might be his no, dad. No, 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 yeah. We looked, we looked it up and made sure, like, I have a whole story about this dude that we will tell when we get into talking about the movie. Because, <laughs> yes, I researched that. I was dedicated. Oh, dedicated. it's so, so ridiculous. Yeah, so this movie's basic premise is, I guess that spiders from a meteorite crash land in like the middle of nowhere this is filmed in wisconsin but i don't think that's where it's actually set and they send out a bunch of geodes which have tarantulas inside them that grow into giant spiders and this small town has to deal with the these spiders in invading and that's kind of it, <laughs> except for yeah. all the side plots, including uh, a big thing with a fundamentalist preacher, a very strange relationship between family members and non-family members, and then family members that are in-law family members. so confusing. So confusing. Who is related to who in this? I don't know. Yeah. It's so confusing. I ended up watching like the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version <laughs> of the movie. And when I rewatched it, I realized how all those people were related. But the first time I did not catch it at all. I was like, wait a minute. Is he like hitting on his wife's daughter? Like, what's happening here? And yep. then I realized, oh, okay, wait, no, no, that's it's it, not it's quite her, her brother-in-law. Yeah. yeah, like it's, it's his sister-in-law, but it's still super fucking weird. Let, let's unpack this Gordian knot of, yes. <laughs> of family relations. So there is a family that is known as the Kester family. And the Kester family features... Ev and Dan, who are married, Dan is not related to Ev's sister, but is therefore now brother-in-law. But he also has a cousin who is a jewel appraiser, I guess, who also wants to have sex with who is now his cousin-in-law because they're not related. But it's super confusing because the way that this is told to us makes it seem very much that the sister of Ev is actually her daughter, but then later right. you realize it's not, and so the brother-in-law is trying to bang her, but also bangs, I guess, a local prostitute who... Slash diner waitress. Slash diner waitress who is Scandinavian, I guess. She has an accent. I don't know where she's from. Yes. Right. Who provides services, 
and make sure he wears his back brace, which is very important. But he also wants to hump his sister-in-law, but then his cousin wants to hump his his cousin-in-law, and nobody apparently wants to hump the original sister, who is a drunk <clears throat> and is desperately in need of AA. Yes, and can I just point out that the husband wears a onesie, and in his onesie he had armpit and butt sweat stains. So to be fair, if I were her, I would drink a whole fucking lot too. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't just me. There were butt stains. <laughs> yes, there was. Def- we rewinded it multiple times to make sure that it wasn't just like a trick of the lighting or something. But the skipper slash sheriff, he had man boob sweat during the diner scene where he meets with like the two doctors or whatever. Like at the beginning, like when they you know cut back to him having the conversation, the boob sweat is gone, but he totally had boob sweat. So what I'm hearing is that you and your boyfriend basically became the sweat police. <laughs> yes. I mean, we dissected this movie. Like, it took us three hours to watch this movie. Because wow. we kept Googling things and going back. Like, I know so much shit about this movie that I wish I did not know that I'm going to share with all of you so that you can be miserable with me. I'm so excited to do that. I, I am excited for that, too. I, I do <laughs> think this is a movie that is helped by watching with other people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was so much fun watching it with him. So much fun watching it with him. Like, I decided, I was like, we need to start doing this all the time. Like, even if I'm not on this show, I want to find a terrible movie for us to watch and make fun of together. Because it was a great bonding experience. (laughs) What's wild to me is the director of this, Bill Rubain, is somewhat well-regarded. I did not look up the director. He is (laughs) (laughs) well-regarded. So, there are lots of weird facts about this movie, as you'd expect. Including that apparently there's a scene when they, they try to blow up a spider in the, in the movie, right? They're blowing it up. But they actually covered it in gunpowder and then tried to light it with matches. <laughs> but the set, like, and I want to note, given that there's currently a lot big conversation about safety on movie sets, there was zero safety on this set. They basically sent some poor guy to go blow this up by putting matches from a matchbook on it. Like Totally safe. No, no, he wasn't even wearing bomb equipment. Like, he was just trying to... <laughs> Sounds legit. Don't be concerned. That's so weird. And what's great is it didn't actually ignite. And so they left. They were like, ah, well, we'll just stop filming. No big deal. And then later on, like, almost after they stopped filming, the spider exploded, causing two injuries on set. One for a fairly oh, minor God. singeing and the other for severe burns. Oh, my God. Okay, but can we talk real quick, though, about the fire special effects in this movie. Cause at the beginning when that one dude who we don't even find out what's really happened to him until like halfway through the movie and he plays no part in the movie whatsoever, but he was riding the motorcycle when this, you know, spider UFO crashed. Right. And his motorcycle slides in a mystery science theater 3000. The guy goes safe. <laughs> Cause it looks like he's like sliding. Laugh so hard, but... Okay. So his motorcycle slides, goes into this bush, right? And the bush explodes, not the motorcycle, the bush explodes, and then the motorcycle catches fire. Like, and that happens like a couple of times where like a vehicle crashes or something crashes, and the thing that catches fire is near the vehicle. So it was like, did Moses come and like catch his motorcycle on fire? Is that what happened here? Like, is that why the preacher's involved? And we just didn't put it together? I mean, are you suggesting that perhaps the explanation for the preacher storyline in this is that secretly God has been trying to speak to the town through burning bushes and everyone just happens to be crashing their motorcycles and stuff next to them? I mean, I don't think that there is 
any legitimate explanation for the preacher being in this movie, but that's as close as we can get to one, I think. I may maybe, but you're like you're completely right. Like this motorcyclist just dies. <laughs> like we it's find totally his... fine. Like it slides. It's not even like a super violent crash. And all of a sudden, this bush goes whoosh, whoosh. and then the motorcycle goes whoosh, and then like somehow the guy dies, even though he was like crawling away. Like I guess the spiders. I guess, Got but then, him? like, every time we see the spiders, they actually consume your whole body, so, like... Right, like, they don't leave, you know, little pieces, but yeah, I don't know, it's, it, it was very strange, it was very strange, but, you know, he dies, and, and what about, like, the skeletonized hand that, you know, remember when, like, when Dan finds the motorcycle guy in his field, and mm-hmm. there's already, like, a skeletonized body out there, like, what was that, like... It's never explained. It's never explained. There's just like some random like fleshless corpse in his field. And he's like, oh, here's another corpse. I guess I'll bury him together. I found <laughs> so many corpses, Ev. <laughs> right? They've got like a spot for the corpses. <laughs> <laughs> That's the moment too when he's talking about all the bodies he's found. And she's like blending up like a right tomato juice Mary. and vodka or whatever. <laughs> and a spider's in the tomato juice vodka that she <laughs> blends up <laughs> It's just like, how would you really be able to tell if it was in there with as right, much like, vodka no, and tomato yeah. juices in there? Yeah, there's no way. The way that she was like, <laughs> yeah, it's the worst thing. It's like, come on, like that's that's not what happened. Given how and drunk it, you already are, lady, you right? You really there's no way. Noticed. There's yeah. no way. And can we talk about how like there were spider webs everywhere? And she's like, there's spiders everywhere. I'm having a really bad day. I need to drink. And it's like, <laughs> well, bitch, fucking like clean the house. Maybe like maybe you wouldn't have so many spider webs. Even Dan at one point says right. that he's like, like this house, this house is dirty. falling apart. No one's <laughs> right. cleaning it. And that's when he hits on his, his sister-in-law. Right. Because, of course. Oh, speaking of, there was so much shoddy camera work in this movie. Like half of it was blurry unless there were tits or ass in the frame. And then it was crystal clear. Well, every you, single you, time. Never, you never waste footage when it comes to a, a TNA shot. Absolutely not. No, actually timed a scene later, like the longest point where it was like blurry was one minute and 10 seconds. Everything was blurry. Like even when they switched camera angles, it was still blurry. And I'm like, you can go one minute and 10 seconds with it all blurry. But the five seconds that we're zooming in on her tits is like 5K TV from 1975. (laughs) Because that's that's the day that they were on set for a whole week on one scene and you know mm-hmm. he's like oh it's still blurry gotta do it again and none of them were actually blurry he just wanted to shoot it over and over mm-hmm. i mean what here's a crazy thing here's a here's a thing that will boggle people's minds they pay, spent three hundred thousand dollars on this movie in 1975 bucks and made 15 million on it at I least know. i was looking at that because we were talking about it before we started watching the movie i was like i want to see how much money this movie made because he was like you know you got to think of like your things that you like and things you dislike and i was like well and, and, you know, a thing that I can like about it is that, like, it gives me hope that I'll have a career as a screenwriter because if this movie can succeed. And then I looked up, like, how much money it made and I was like, maybe I'm trying too hard. Like, <laughs> maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need to write shitty things that are really low budget, but somehow people love and they want to spend money on and, like, make a shitload of money for somebody with something really terrible and... Maybe maybe I'm working too hard. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I think that that's probably as good an explanation as any. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, okay. We got to get to likes and dislikes. There's a lot to talk about this movie, so it's going to be a rambling so mess. Much. You can have to deal with it. So, Tanya, I want to know, 
want to know what your your one like about this movie is of of the many you could possibly have chosen because this is such a tour de force. Yeah. Um I'm going to have to say that my biggest like for this movie was that the skipper was in it. <laughs> Alan Hale Jr. You know, yes. Yeah. I, I mean he wasn't like super great. As no, an he's actor. just himself. He's, he's, I mean, he's clearly like, he is definitely like, he's got one persona he can play and that's it, you know, but it was the skipper and I got to see, and I hadn't seen the skipper since I was a kid. So it was like a great little bit of nostalgia that I got to enjoy and, you know, remember Gilligan's Island and how much I used to love that show and watch it all the time as a kid. So it brought up happy memories for me that the skipper was in this movie, even though he was terrible and had titty sweat. (laughs) What's great about Alan Hill Jr. in this is this is this is a decade after the original Gilligan's Island. And yeah. while everyone else, I guess, got a little annoyed that they basically got typecast because of Gilligan's Island, Alan Hill Jr. was just like, no, nah, I'm good with it. He would like just <laughs> go to hospitals dressed as the skipper. Like right? he did all these roles where he was just the skipper. And even here when he's playing the sheriff, like he's still basically just the skipper. Right. <laughs> Yeah, he's a skipper in a different uniform. That's all it is. And, you know, he has guns this time. He apparently, when people call him to get help on any issue, he just thinks, like, the town's going crazy. I can't right. help you. Call the, call the mechanics. Right, what do you exactly. want me to do like, about it? Why are it? people calling 911 or whatever? Like, my car won't start. I'm going to call 911. Like, who does that? Like, <laughs> And he's, like, explaining to this woman, like, get the yellow pages out. You know, like, you know, what is it? Walk with your fingers or, you know, whatever the yellow pages slogan used to be. <laughs> it's so silly because on the one hand, it's like, Okay, well, this is just kind of like the sweet, bumbling myth sheriff that we want out of police forces, where everyone kind of likes him. He's pretty nice with everyone in town. You know, he doesn't do anything really bad. You know, he kind of goes out and talks to people and like, you know, he investigates crimes, but it's not really like super invasive. Everyone just is kind of happy with what he's doing. But then on the other hand... Apparently, the job everyone they thinks they hired him for, and I think sheriffs are elected, so they elected yeah. him to this position. Apparently, he just doesn't do, because they apparently elected him to answer the phone and fix all of their problems, and he's just like, no, give me a crime. Right. <laughs> a like, crime to go he, after. That's not my job. That's not my job description. <laughs> I can't solve nature for you. Right. I what are you, you talking about? I need you to open the about? yellow pages. Like, come on. Yeah. I didn't like that. There's the things called the yellow pages. That must have been 1975's version of There's a Thing Called Google. Oh, yeah, I think you're right, yeah. No, but, but yeah, so Alan Hale's great in this. Like, I mean, he's not great in the sense, like, this is Oscar-worthy, but, like, no, no. You, can't, you can't hate him. No, no, I mean, yeah, you can't hate the Skipper. Like, you just can't. Like, it's it's impossible. Physically, legally impossible, like, all of the above. All of the above. It's great, it's great. Well, I guess I should do my, like... And, oh boy, this film's so confusing <laughs> that I I honestly, like, just really struggled with, like, trying to understand the movie. But I will say that I, I appreciate that the film just didn't give a shit about the fact that half of its narratives make no sense yeah. and are repugnant <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. Because, like, you cannot watch this movie and think... And at any point, go, gosh, gosh, the Dan, Dan and, and Ev, like, their relationship's normal. 
And I, I kind of like that that is so just in your face, just so you can't pretend it's it like any, you can't, there's no interpretation. This is a fucked up family situation. Yeah. And so like everything else you're like, that this didn't explain this. Like, why is the preacher here? We don't know. He's just, it's just a storyline that's there. Why are the giant spiders there? They came from space. Sure. Right. But yeah. these, this, it's like, wow, what is wrong with this family? Right. Honestly. Yeah, like, everything about them is, like, so freaking weird. Like, it would work great if it was, like, a folk horror kind of film. Like, that's the kind of family they are, but they, they're, like, the victims in all of this instead of the perpetrators. Right, like, are we supposed to sympathize? Right, like, <laughs> yeah, it's so confusing. Like, I was very confused by that. And, and why are Dan and Ev so cruel to each other? Right, except, you know, when... He found the diamonds and the geodes, and she was all like, we're going to be rich, baby. And he was like, we? What you talking about, bitch? It's going to be me. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, but, you know, you know, I didn't really mean all of that. I was just joking. I love you. And, you know, all this other shit, like, yeah, you know, cause she thought she was about to get a payday or whatever. You know, like, they're both shitty humans. They are really bad people, but we don't understand why. No, no. Well, I don't know. I mean, we understand why Ev is a shitty person, or at least why she drinks. Because, I mean, look at Dan. Like, <laughs> This is really not turning into a like. This is more like a dislike now. So maybe I'll have to change my like to something else. But, like, <laughs> I, I don't... Uh, so clearly in this town, Dan at least has some hot stuff going on. Yeah. Because while I say that I think that the woman he is having sex with on the side like i said that like prostitute with a like with a question mark on it because it is unclear to me if money is exchanging hands but he does refer to her as providing a service to him yeah and he gives her like one of the diamonds or something right he's like here's a tip at first i thought it was a quarter and i was like that's fucked up man you give a girl a quarter like i would beat his ass if <laughs> a quarter i'm not worth more than a quarter but yeah, it was like a diamond or something that he gave her. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, that's better. But like, he, yeah, he gives her like money. So, like, but only the some, one time. But only the one time. Yeah, like the first time it was just like, well, you know, she, like she was taking care of him. Like, oh, don't forget your back brace. You know, we don't. Which, by the way, like, shouldn't he like have the back brace on during sex? Like, I feel like he, I mean, he's probably like a shitty lay anyway. But I feel like sans back brace, it would be even more unbearable to have sex with him. And that the back brace is absolutely necessary to prevent vomiting on the part of his partner. <laughs> I don't actually think he needs the back brace. I, so there's a line Ooh, that comes yeah. after that scene a little bit later in which he like basically tells Ev like he, he's trying to make take care of his health or whatever. Yeah. I think the back brace is the thing he uses to justify why he doesn't want to have sex with his wife. And probably why he doesn't want to do anything else, because he's definitely, like, lazy as shit. Like, he goes out into the field and stuff, but he's not <laughs> He's lazy until there's there. diamonds. <laughs> right, exactly. He's like, yeah, big payday, okay, then I guess I'll do something. But yeah, I could also see him, like, totally scamming the insurance company, too. Like, he's got to wear the back brace to prove that he was hurt. Like, I could totally see that as his backstory. <laughs> Like, there's so much not explained because yes. clearly Dan, like, so Ev, I think is meant to be a very attractive woman of some age. 
Like, she's clearly meant to be old enough that having sex with teenagers is considered icky. But this is also 1975, and so she even says at one point, just five years. If you were just five years older, cute boy, I would be all over you. Yeah, yeah, like when she's hitting on her sister's boyfriend, which, like... Yeah, it's gross. Terrible. Your sister's underage boyfriend, no less. Like, there's so many things wrong with It's super gross. (laughs) It's unclear how old he actually is. That's true. He may not be underage because he like works for the newspaper. So he's probably actually of age, but still it's super gross. It's super gross, but it's implied the way that she says it, that he's not of age. Right. But he's got, yeah, but he's like got a job at the newspaper. So it's like, do they really hire 16 year olds to like, I mean, cause it's not just like a job that he has, but he like has some sort of agency there where he can suggest stories. You know, he's not just, you know, like a proofreader yeah. or something like he's obviously like got a little bit of clout. At the newspaper, I don't feel like a 16-year-old would have that. Like, he's, you know, I would think that he's got to be at least, like, 20 to get to that point in his career. But it's a small town. They might be like, you know what? There's no one else here that will do this job. Sure. Maybe. You know, we'll give you all this power because there's literally no one else to make these decisions. <laughs> like, it's it's certainly not clear, right? Because when, yeah. when the, like, really gross cousin... Br- or whatever. The rock like cousin uh, Dan cut Co- Tan's cousin. Is yeah. it Dutch or Dave or whatever the yeah. Billy? Rock, rock guy. Rock guy. Yeah, rock guy. When he goes after the the younger uh was it Terry played by Dan Lee Hart. When he goes after her, the only th- thing that's of issue in their interactions is not her age, right? It's that they are technically relatives, just not blood relatives. Right. And she kind of, like, plays along with his advances for a hot minute, and then it's just kind of like, ew, like, Uncle Billy or whatever yeah. the dumb, your dumb name is. Like, what? I don't think it's Billy. Whatever your name is, right? Like, oh, like, this is ridiculous. It's not going to happen. And so it's interesting that it doesn't come up in that section. Now, that could yeah. be for one of two reasons. That the age difference isn't a legal barrier. It is a personal limitation that the... That Ev won't have sex with the young boy solely on the grounds that he's just not old enough for her, which isn't a, isn't an issue of his legality. It's an right. issue of her own personal standards of age gaps of how she feels about them. Which okay, yeah, I don't see her having those standards though. <laughs> she can't. I don't think she does. And so no. it's possible the alternative, which is that in this world, and I suppose also 1970s America, men's standards of what is considered appropriate just simply are lower than a drunk woman's standards of what's appropriate. (laughs) Fair, yeah, fair. Which is to say that the men do not care that she is underage Mm -hmm. because both Dan, the brother-in-law, and Rock Guy both hit on Terry and want to have have the hanky-panky with her, and yet neither one of them seems perturbed by her age. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, she even makes a comment when she's talking to Dan. She's like, you know, like, you used to spank me. And, you know, like, she's like, you used to get your jollies off because, you know, because, like, you know, she he helped raise her, basically, apparently, like, which is even more disturbing if he acted as like a father figure for her. And now, you know, that she's, you know, grown up. Right. He's all like trying to slide it. Like, like, come on. Like, I mean, but I mean, obviously, he's he wears a fucking onesie. So. And I mean, not even like a cute onesie with like unicorns and fuzzy and warm and all. Like he wears like a literal shitty ass onesie that he's like sweat through so much that I cannot imagine that 
any soap on this earth is strong enough to clean no. all that sweat out. Like, it's a very well-worn onesie. That onesie used to be white. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I looked for a butt flap. I wanted to know if it had, like, you know, like the kids' onesies have, like, the butt flap where you can, you know, like, wipe the butt or change your diaper or whatever. It did not have a butt flap. I was disappointed to see that because, like, I really felt like he would be the type that would have the butt flap because he How didn't want to have a to... onesie and not have a butt flap, though. Yeah, well, yeah, because, like, if you wanted to, you know, if he wanted to go poop or whatever, like, now he's got to take the whole thing off. Like, it's just not practical, but he's not a practical person either, so. But he kind of is, though, right? Like, he, he, I mean, he would think yeah, he would be like, money, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I need a butt flap. Like, you would think he would at least be like, I will cut my own butt flap out. Yeah. yeah and, like, it'll be a closed, yeah. closed pin that'll hold it in or whatever. Yeah. Like, or, you know, like, that he wears it so much that there's a hole worn in the ass of it, and he doesn't even need a butt flap anymore. <laughs> you know, he just, he just has his ass, you know, <laughs> catching the breeze. Mm. God, I wish I had not said that because now I have a terrible picture in my mind. This You're is... welcome. <sighs> I hate This you. family's just messed up. But, like, what does Terry even have? Like, she doesn't have anything to do with anything. Like, she's basically in there so that they can have... And, I mean, she's not even that pretty, in my opinion. She's not ugly. But, like, she's not, like, you know, gorgeous bombshell type either. Like, they just found, like, this decent-looking chick. And they were like, let's just do a whole bunch of zoom-in shots of her boobs and her butt. <laughs> And, you know, interspersed throughout the film to keep everybody's interest. That's literally the only thing she has to do with the film is, like, being a sexual object to keep your interest because the film itself can't do it. So they have to resort to literally zooming in on her boobs to keep people interested. (laughs) Like, this film needed a moment where it actually told us how old they are. Yes. It's hard to look at this situation and not think that it is effectively a bunch of near adults who are really just children yes because even the line you were saying earlier of like where you used to spank me it's like well but you have not given us any indication of how long ago that was right yeah was it two days ago or right so then like we have no sense of how old anyone is like we can make some guesses with some of the actors that they are you know 40s or 50s or something but like we have really nothing to go on Right. Our frames of reference for time are so skewed in this. And it is super creepy. And I want to note this whole conversation. We have yet to really talk about the goddamn spiders. Like right. we talk about this fucked up relationship, which came off of me saying I kind of liked how direct the movie was. And now I think is now just a dislike because <laughs> honestly, this this is horrible. Like this movie wasn't direct. I was wrong when I started this line of thought. <laughs> OK, can I give you a like then? Well, I mean, sure. Yeah. What, what's a, what's another like? Yeah, okay. go for it. So one minor thing that I liked about it is, okay, so on the skipper, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call him skipper because like, I mean, he's really not anyone else to me but the skipper. <laughs> yeah. The American flag on his uniform is like the right way instead of, you know, like the typical uniform has it flipped for some reason, which I find like really weird because that seems like the thing you would do if you were anti-American, but like that's what they do in the military uniforms. But like, it's not, it's like you're holding up a mirror to like, you know, see all, you know, the, all these officers or, you know, military personnel and like, you know, cause I understand like ambulance being backwards on the front of an ambulance. Cause you see it from your rear view mirror, but like right. that same principle doesn't apply to the American flag and uniforms. You're not like holding up a mirror and like looking in the mirror to like talk to these people. So like, why is it backwards on uniform? So I was glad that it was like the right way. Cause I don't know. Like, it's just, it really bothers me that when it's backwards. <laughs> Wow, what a tiny detail. (laughs) (laughs) The tiniest fucking detail you just came up with. 
<laughs> it really bothers me. Like, I think you underestimate how much it bothers me that that's like a part of our military's uniforms is that the flags are always backwards. Because to me, like, that's what you would do if you wanted to, like, express an anti-American sentiment you know like you fly a flag backwards or upside down you know (laughs) like if you put it on a flagpole backwards like you probably get some sort of citation you know oh that's un-american yeah you know but then we put it on uniforms and that's like super patriotic is that to confuse is that like to confuse the enemy so when they see the flag they go oh those aren't americans because the american flag's the other way around i I don't even know like do they think (laughs) that like our enemies are that dumb (laughs) like I mean, I, it's got There's got to be some be weird. Fair. It's got to be. There's some got to be a reason for it. I just don't know what it is. And right now, it gets on my nerves. So I notice when an American flag is facing the right way. What a specific thing. Uh, well, I now know what you're your welcome. nightmare world is. <laughs> well, okay. Let's get to dislikes. Yes, let's do. Let's that. do it. It's not like we haven't been talking about things about this movie right. that are terrible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Todd, what is your dislike? Okay, so this is where I'm going to tell you the story about um, Ron Jeremy Sr., a.k.a. (laughs) Dr. Vance, a.k.a. Steve Brody. Okay? So Steve Brody isn't even this guy's name. He stole a motherfucker's name. So there was this guy that, like, jumped off the Brooklyn Bridge or something and, like, you know, supposedly survived. You know, it was like a daredevil stunt. And apparently, like, he thought it was super cool. This is, like, 1886, right? And Steve Brody, quote unquote, was born like in the early 1900s. So he was born John Stevenson, changed his name to Steve Brody after this other guy. Not only did he change his name, apparently like he maybe changed it legally, I guess, because all his kids, like the the guy at the beginning, what's what's the, the actor? Is that Dutch? Yeah, I think that's his name. Dutch. Yeah. By Bill Williams. Bill Williams. He is Steve Brody's real life son. And his last name is Brody. And, like, his wife took the name Brody. So, apparently, like, he took someone's whole name. He was just like, I don't like my name anymore. I'm going to take somebody else's name. You're thinking Dave. Hook, line, yes. Hook, line, and singer. Like, he took this guy's name, Steve Brody. And, you know, he was John. I mean, I understand, you know, John Stevenson that, you know, you might want to change that to be a little spicier if you're, you know. Yeah. An entertainment. But, yeah, like, he he took this random guy's name and, like, his whole family also was like, cool, we'll take that name, too. And... I, I don't know. I just, I don't like that he looks like Ron Jeremy Sr. I don't like that he took someone else's name entirely. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't like him. You just like dug up this guy's life story just so you could just hate on him. I did. Well, I mean, we, okay, well, we saw that he looked like Ron Jeremy Sr. And then we had to figure out if he was actually Ron Jeremy's dad. <laughs> and then like in the course of figuring out whether that was true or not, then we learned that he was born John Stevenson and he changed his name to Steve Brody. And then we learned why he changed his name and the fact that his entire family changed their names too. And so I just don't like him because he's a fake. Well, I'm glad that you've brought up Dr. J.R. Vance. Because this is one of the many subplots of this story, right? The main story being big old spiders come from space out of a meteor and pop out of geodes full of diamonds and then like grow into giant spiders. But the other storyline that's going on is what I would call a, a an adorable romance between two doctors in which Dr. Vance meets one Dr. Langer, Jenny Langer, played mm-hmm. by Barbara Hale. Who I'm going to assume is not Alan Hale's wife, but who fucking knows? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think they're related in any way. Probably not. It's just they wanted to be confusing. And this story I thought was really cute. And this is actually a like now that I realize that. (laughs) 
Okay, so we're just flipping your shit around is what's happening yeah, here. Okay, pretty cool. much. But like, I like that this. That, so the idea is like he is sent in. He's gonna he's going to this observatory to talk to a doctor, Doctor Langer, who's like knows some stuff about all these weird readings they keep getting. And he assumes that, oh, well, there's this woman here. Well, I'm here to meet your husband. Well, I'm not married. Oh, well, I'm here to meet your father. Well, I'm, my father's dead. Or I'm right. here to meet your brother. Oh, well, my brother is like a dentist or whatever. And it's the moment he realizes, oh, this whole time, I have assumed that a woman could not be Dr. Langer. And then he like, instead of going like, oh, what do you, I guess I just, this is not where I need to be because like you're a woman. He just goes like, ah, shit. <laughs> like basically <laughs> right. just kind of admit like i yeah because i mean like one like i can understand him maybe making the mistake you know the first time but then like he doubles down on it multiple times at this point and he's like oh well it must be you know so and so and it's like he's a doctor he should be smarter than this like he should be like oh okay my bad it's you but like he keeps like oh well let me think of another male relative <laughs> like but afterwards, right? Like they, he doesn't. It, he doesn't continue the thing of like, oh well, now I have to challenge because you're mm-hmm. a woman. You can't possibly do this. At from that point on, he is like, oh, I like this woman. You are a colleague. Smart. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Like he definitely treats her like a colleague. Like at the beginning, right? He's like totally wrong, and I suppose it makes some sort of sense because it's 1975. Exactly. There probably yeah. are not a lot of women in definitely in not. this field. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's made a stupid assumption, which he shouldn't have right. made. But, he but owns and then it. afterwards, instead of treating her as though she can't possibly know what she's talking about, he's just in. He's like, "Oh, I'm right. totally here." And then they kind of flirt a little bit. Yes, yes. It's, like it's I do love cute. that. I do love that. But yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to watch someone who you have decided is Ron Jeremy's dad flirt with <laughs> anybody in a film at that point. It kind of ruined it for me when we kind of had that realization. So yeah, like I would have liked, I think, the romance aspect of things if I hadn't decided that this was ron jeremy's dad yeah question though yeah i don't know if you're gonna have to cut this out or not we'll find out do you think ron jeremy senior would have a very giant dick or a small one it can go either way and i think Agreed. it really depends uh, like really the the thing that would be the telling factor was if ron jeremy has ever told us about the moment he was born because <laughs> if the moment he was born the doctor went what the fuck? That is a large wart. Uh, you know, or something like that. Or like, wow, that's a growth we're going to need to check out. Then we would know, like, okay. Like, like okay, he, he is unusual, right? Because right. even the dad would be like, oh boy, like this thing is like out there. But if they just went like, oh, he looks kind of like his dad, then maybe his dad does have a giant dick. Maybe. I don't get it. Like, were there no other more attractive dudes with big dicks back then? I mean, there had to be. Just, right? Like, I don't I, I don't understand. Like, they found the grimiest, grossest looking dude. And they're like, he's got a big dick. Let's go. But like they have they've had no shortage these days of big dick dudes. No, like they can find them everywhere. There's so much big dick porn out there. Right. Of dudes of all types of attractiveness. Right. Like, yeah, I don't I don't get it either. But I love how our conversations have twice in a row now devolved into porn. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Who I mean, cares? last time like, it was like wiki porn or something, right? So. <laughs> yeah. You you started this. You took us down the Ron Jeremy route. Yeah, yeah, this, no- oh, this is my fault. Last time it wasn't. <laughs> well, was it my fault last time? Probably. Probably. Yeah, you're probably right. It's always my fault. I mean, to be fair, I have no problem with it because, like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> like, exactly. I'm 38 years old. I'm going to talk about weird shit. Who cares? I mean, don't people tune into this to listen to people talk about weird shit, though? So, I mean, given the number of times Alex and I have talked about strap-ons at this point, yes. 
if they're not tuning in for that, uh, you've made a bad, bad judgment <laughs> call. <laughs> you took a wrong turn. <laughs> you... Stop immediately, hit reverse, and get the fuck out of here. You don't belong here. Tanya, I gotta know, <laughs> you, you have more dislikes, don't you? Of course I do. <laughs> I always have, like, a whole bunch of dislikes that I can share. <laughs> go for it. So there's a scene at the end where there's a whole bunch of white dudes with guns who are ready to go hunt down the giant spider because, you know, white men are going to save us all, right? Obviously. White men, you know, saved slaves during the Civil War, so they're back again to help us defeat the giant spiders. But there's, like, you know, sheriff's <laughs> deputy or, you know, whoever this guy is. I don't know. He's got, like, the uniform on, but, you know, he's not the sheriff because he's not the skipper. Right. Let's let's be straight about that. Anyway, he gets in his car and there's this giant spider, you know, like 50 foot spider or whatever, like in the road. And he honks at it like, OK, first of all, even if this wasn't a spider, it was just an alien. Like, do you think an alien would understand that honking means I want you to move out of the way? <laughs> Second of all, if it was a hostile alien, do you really think honking at it would be like, oh, oh, my bad. I didn't realize that I was in your way, sir. Let me move out of your way so you continue on about your day. Like, I just, I feel like this is a very white dude thing to do is like, I'm in the road mm -hmm. here. I'm white. Excuse me, sir. Please move. Honk, honk. And then the spider's like, oh, <laughs> Sure, bro. So sorry. Sure, sure. I'm sorry. I didn't even realize I was in your way. You know, I got this big ass body, all these legs. It's hard to keep track of it all. You know, like I will move out of the way expeditiously. But like, I don't understand why you would honk at an alien spider. Like, just I don't understand that. I, I see that as a very white dude behavior. Like a black dude would not honk at the spider. You know, like this is like getting to what like the way that that horror has treated black and white people yes. it's like like the way that a, like a white person in horror you know th they see a situation and then go i must investigate exactly right? <laughs> but like in a horror movie a black person's like oh no this is some bad shit let's let's we out of here we're, right. we're gone like when they're picking up all the rocks <laughs> in the field you know like there's this mysterious thing that crashed and this you know big red light that was out in their field that really should have vaporized them if you know we really want to be yeah. real about it but it didn't but, like, they saw this thing crash out in the field, and then they go find this crash site, and there are a bunch of weird rocks that they don't understand. And you're like, let's collect them all and bring them in the house. And it's like, did they not understand radioactivity in the 70s? Like, I feel like they should no, have. They should like, have. <laughs> I mean, obviously, these people didn't, but they're, like, collecting all these rocks. Like, let's bring them inside. And then, like, you know, the guys are, like, breaking it open, like, with the fucking chisel and the mallet. Yeah. And first of all, like when she brought him the first hammer, he was like, not that one. Like she should have busted him upside the head with that <laughs> hammer. But that's beside <laughs> the point. He's like trying to open one of these geodes with, you know, a chisel and a hammer and it falls on the floor. Neither one of them noticed that a spider has come out of it somehow. No. Like, I mean, your whole attention would be focused on the geode at that point because you want to know what's inside of it. It falls on the floor like your eyes go with it. And then you see this tarantula coming out and you're like, oh, shit, maybe we shouldn't have these rocks in the house. Like... Very white person behavior. Like, black people have been like, I'm not taking these rocks in my house. Like, I mean, black mother, like, if her child came in with all these strange rocks, she'd be like, uh-uh, leave that outside. Like, we don't know what that is. <laughs> we don't know where that's been. Like, no. Get one of your white friends to open that and let us know what happened. It's one of those weird things where, like, I wonder if certain white communities, their, their superstitions about things, like, end 
at the line of the church. Because there is this church narrative, right? Where, like, there's this preacher, like, preaching, like, the world's going to end and, like, hellfire and sin and all this stuff. And it's makes no sense in the larger context of the movie. But, like, our our fe- fellow Dan goes to what it... Well, he doesn't actually go, but he claims that he went and he listened right. to some of it on the radio. To the revival, right? but, you know, the revival, revival was really, like, yeah. you know, cheating on his wife and whatever. Really was... Yeah, I mean, he was having a revival. Just <laughs> right. revival, revival of, of, of little Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I wonder if some aspect of this is, like, the way that, that in some of these films, like, white people's superstitions about things, objects, sort of is, like, contained to the church. Right? Yeah. Like, Dan never at any point in this is like, well, these geos are really strange. Maybe I shouldn't mess with them. He's like, right. No, I got to break it open. I, well, he doesn't know it's a geo to start, but, yeah. but he's like, but still, oh, like, what is this weird this thing? thing? I got to break it open. came out of this crash in the sky, this big light in the sky, but let me figure out what it is. Like, I, I don't understand that mentality at all. Like, I would be like, it's leave strange. that shit alone. Let's stay out in the field. I'm going to mind my business and clean my house. <laughs> there are no spider webs in it at least. Like, <laughs> I just, I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not built that way. I don't, I'm not fooling with anything crazy that like appears in my field. I mean, I, I get you. Like, to me, I don't think I would go out into the field until, until somebody who can tell me it's safe. Right. You know, told me it's safe to go into yeah, the like, field. Yeah, like, I need a Geiger counter, first of all, because, like, clearly there's radiation involved here. Like, I'm definitely not, like, putting all these rocks, like, you know, in my shirt and, like, holding them and... Yeah. You know? No way. Like, no. Yeah, that's that's not happening. But, yeah, I mean, they're not the, the, the brightest the crayons brightest tools in the box. In the <laughs> <laughs> it is, like, there's, like, this running gag, I suppose, is, like, these are small-town American folk. And by small-town, they mean small-town white American folk is what they mean. Yeah. Because I don't think there's a single person of color. No, no, there's definitely no Asian people. I don't remember seeing a black person at all. Maybe like as a background actor, like, you know, like everybody was like snow white. Which I suppose is somewhat accurate to some small towns, which maybe not to date as much, but probably in 1975 might have been a little bit more common. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, but this is a now. super small town, right? It seems like 50 people live here. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. There's not very many, like, everybody knows everybody, so it's definitely a small town. But even, like, in small town America now, like, it's still very segregated. So, you know, you can go to certain places like a diner, and there's not going to be, like, any black people there. Even though black people live in the town, they have their own place that they hang out. So, like, it seems like two different towns even though they technically all live within the limits of a township so to speak but all right well i guess it's my turn so i think technically i've already given my dislike which is just this dysfunctional family it makes no sense but i will just say that i get that this is a low budget film that made a lot of money despite being a low budget film like i'm still like i don't I, I can't i can't make sense of it i honestly like it's messing with my head a little bit it, it should it should mess with your head. This is a profitable venture. Extremely profitable. I know that this was, they didn't spend a lot of money on this movie. And and clearly a lot of the money didn't go into the quality of the acting because let's be honest. Or the camera work, the cinematography was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't very good. The fact is that apparently like they used like VW bugs for the, <laughs> the spiders 
And, like, apparently somewhat recently, one of the old spider VW bug carcasses was, like, found in the woods somewhere in Wisconsin. Like, but these spiders are terrible. They they were pretty terrible. But I did, I have to say that the special effects where they were, like, eating people whole was actually fairly convincing for the 1970s. <laughs> it's so silly. It's silly, but I was impressed by, like, how, I shouldn't say realistic, because that gives the impression that it was actually realistic, but... For the 1970s, it was realistic for the 1970s. Like, I was kind of, like, surprised by how well they were able to pull it off. You know what it reminded me of? What? Uh, you ever seen the movie Evolution? No. Oh, you should watch it. Fantastic movie. But there's this great joke in it, which is, so that's this giant amoeba thing in the movie. Like, it's basically like a giant single-celled organism. But it has a little breathing hole right in the middle. And one of the guys, while they're trying to defeat it, like, it's sucked up into the hole, and it's basically the joke is, like, he got sucked up into an alien sphincter, right? <laughs> and that's what I think is going on with these these spiders. It's like, they're just getting sucked into a spider sphincter. So they're like, <laughs> so all these people that they're eating are actually anal suppositories. Pre- precisely, yeah. That's why we keep finding the bodies that are only partially damaged, because they just like, use them. they're, out. Yeah. <laughs> they just poop them out later. Yeah. <laughs> So they, like, suck up all the nutrients like they would in a medicine, and they're like, okay, the rest of this carcass is useless. I'm going to take a shit now. Yeah, they just, like, <laughs> yeah, just just take it. Just they, they just bend over and, like, dump a number two in the woods. Yeah. I love I love your mind. I mean, like, think about it. It's not actually does a bear shit in the woods. It's does a giant spider shit in the woods. That's true. That's true. That is a true question right there. Yeah. And now we know. We have a movie to give us the answer to that question. They absolutely do, and they leave bloody human bodies. (laughs) Who seem to have no visible injuries, actually. They just have blood all over them with no cuts, scrapes, you know. Well, I mean, let's be honest. This movie doesn't understand either how explosions or injuries work. (laughs) No, no, no. It doesn't understand how any, literally anything works. Anything so every time someone's getting sucked in, like, they just have blood splurting down. But it's like, right. but from what? There's There there doesn't appear to be teeth. It's just right. it's just a sphincter. Exactly. That... There was a guy in the car that was getting attacked by the spider's leg. Right. And, and the blood's, blood's like, outside. On the outside. Like, he's inside <laughs> the car being attacked. Like, is this the spider's blood that's on the outside? And if so, how is he doing damage to the spider with his, like, random flailing and screaming? Right. Like in one frame like there's blood all over the windshield like it's just you know cascading down like blood is covering the windshield where you can't even see out of it and then the next frame it's like there's just a little bit of blood but I, it makes no sense and in the last scene where they're like fighting like the giant spider like there's the two doctors you know like the dr vance and um dr langer they're like fighting the spider in the daylight but then like there's this mob that's fighting spiders like and it's still dark out and it's like and they're, like, talking on a CB radio to each other. And it's like, CB radios don't work across time zones, so they, they should be close together. But somehow <laughs> the sun is up here, but two minutes down the road, it's still dark as fuck. Like, make that make sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. They filmed this in six weeks. But, like, this is a thing where clearly someone was trying to figure out the film schedule and, like, just was drunk that day. I mean, I think, honestly, truly, everybody was drunk. Well, what's crazy is, like, <laughs> it's possible multiple people were drunk on this film. Uh, I don't know that for for, tr- for sure. Ron Jeremy Sr., I think he might have been sober. He might have been. 
Yeah, I mean, because, to be fair, he got, like, scenes where there was actual legit, like, like exposition <laughs> instead of other characters, which is just like, <laughs> get off my back, woman, I'm right. going to the revival. But what's weird is, like, some of the people involved in this film are, like, consummate professionals. Yeah. In a, in a significant way. So, like, Robert Easton, who plays Dan Prester. Yeah. It was actually an English dialect coach, were, like, renowned in Hollywood for being, like, one of the leading dialogue and accent coaches in the area. Like, he had a pretty stellar career as well in, in film, like, and he was in a lot of stuff. But he was known for, like, being this incredible vocal coach. Yeah. Uh, and did radio and other kinds of things as well. Fun fact, he married a British woman and, like, could do all these accents. So, yeah. like, that's what he spent his career doing is, like, he was known as the man of a thousand voices. Right. Like, literally. But, yeah, like, he's so terrible. <laughs> so, like... But in this, he's not great because, like, he has nothing to work with. He's just no. this sleazy guy who has ass sweat problems. <laughs> like, he desperately needs to see a doctor about his excessive ass sweating. <laughs> It's no offense, but, like, you should not sweat that much out your ass. No, you really shouldn't. It was pretty bad. It was disgusting, actually. Oh, yeah. It's just so weird. Like, this this film gets made, it makes a whole bunch of money, and, like, everybody in this movie probably made almost nothing. (laughs) Right, yeah. Well, I mean, like, at the beginning, like, the credits are, like, introducing Diane Lee Hart, who I think played Terry. Terry. I might be wrong about that. But it was like, you know, introducing her is like, she didn't go on to do anything. So like people saw this movie and they were like, uh, no, we don't want to hire her for anything. Cause I mean, it's like, they're introducing her, like, you know, she was going to be this big star and it's like, I've never heard of her. Like I did not turn out the way she thought it was going to, I think, which, you know, makes me sad. I mean, like I'm, I'm looking to see if she did anything, but like she did five films. Yeah. Yeah. She did some other stuff, but none of it was successful by no. any means. Revenge of the Cheerleaders, where she didn't even get to be a named character. Right, she's like cheerleader one or something. Cheer, no, Lincoln girl number two. She's not even a cheerleader. She's oh, man. Random Lincoln girl. I it's feel not- bad for her, because it's like, basically, like, all they did was objectify her in this movie. Like, I mean, she had lines, yes. You know, she was an actress, but... Her role in this movie was to be a sexual being to keep people's interest because the plot could not hold their interest. Yeah. They used her. Like, she is probably the only reason that this movie really, truly made any money. And it's very possible. She didn't make, like, she couldn't make a career out of act, like, a true career, like, you know, a really successful career. I mean, maybe she considers herself successful. I don't know, you know. Like, or possibly this wasn't what she wanted to really do. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Maybe she decided, like, after that, she was like, fuck acting. <laughs> I mean, like, I think I would. Like, if they were doing a close up of my boobs, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe this acting thing isn't everything I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird because. I, like Hollywood choose choose a lot of people up, you know, and spits them out. And and obviously a percentage of those people really like this is their dream. They really wanted to have a career. You know, some of them wanted to be big stars, and some of them just wanted to be working actors. They wanted to be able to make a living doing the craft they they love. They wanted to play these characters. And other people like probably got sucked in. You know, like someone was like, oh, like you can kind of act. Like, would you like to be in in like a Tommy Wiseau movie? Good luck. And it's hard to know at any given point, like, how many of these people were chewed up because they got put into a movie of, like, questionable morals. (laughs) (laughs) And how many of them were, you know, which ones were in these categories? And 
And with her, like, I could get it because, like, she's in this movie in which she is largely there to be a sex object. She is in Revenge of the Cheerleaders, which she has a non-named character. But Revenge of the Cheerleaders, I've never seen it. But based on the fact that one of the big images for, of it is <sighs> a teen girl eating a banana, I'm going to go oh, with yeah. also, well, let Sexual me rephrase, objects. college girl, teen girl with quotation marks around it. I don't know how oh. old that person actually is. Obviously sex objects, right? There's a movie she was in where she played Judy called Pom Pom Girls, which I'm going to go out on a limb. Sex objects again. Also sex objects. Yep. Literally, the, the description of the pom-pom girls is a group of carefree high school seniors are having the times of their lives filled with sex, romance, and teen hijinks, which seems like a teen comedy of some description, right? right? So she got typecast, basically, as a sex object. It's hard to know what happened, but, like, her career clearly died. She only did five films between 1973 and 1976. Yeah, and that's sad, because, like... It wasn't that she was a bad actress. Like, I think that she could have done some really good stuff, but I think that she definitely did get pigeonholed into being somebody that they could do these close-up shots of her boobs and her butt to, or, you know, showing off whatever to try to keep people's interest in a film where the writing wasn't up to par. Well, okay. I think this is a good time. Let's get to our grades. So, Tanya, your final thoughts on this movie and grade it, please. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie a C-. minus. Um, it it was terrible. Don't get me wrong. Cinematography was terrible. It was blurry, like, through at least 20% of the film. You know, another 10%, it was dark. Like, actually, I was watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, and they were like, bold move not to include the audience, because there was, like, this scene where it was, like, super dark. Which, it's on Tubi, by the way, if you want to watch the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of oh, this. It's okay. incredibly... Hilarious. I still fell asleep during it because I was really tired, but super funny. But I would give it a C minus because the cinematography is terrible. So many plot holes, but I found it incredibly amusing (laughs) in a lot of ways. And I think that it was more that I found ways to make it amusing because I was watching it with somebody that I love and we both love making fun of stupid shit. So it was like a bonding experience for us. So I will give it some points for bringing people closer together. <laughs> Fair point. Uh, as for me, look, this this movie, I would agree, is so bad it's actually kind of hilarious, mm-hmm. which is part of, I didn't mention earlier, which was a, a thing that I struggled at times to figure out what parts were comedy and what parts weren't. Because yes. I think this movie was trying to be funny, but I couldn't right. figure out where the funny parts were. Right. Like, yeah. in the sense the of, like, problem. the intended funny parts. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, all of it was funny. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> like, the movie's bonkers. It. Yeah. It's, it's bonkers, not in the, like, oh, it's heady way of, like, there's, there's like, wild things going on. And it's, no, this movie's bonkers because the things that are happening in the movie are just bananas. Right, the family dynamic, there's this weird preacher story, there's the, like, a separate movie that's being made that's about, like, two scientists who fall in love over a a bomber plane that blew up in the forest or whatever, I guess. Right, there's all this stuff going on. And for that reason, like, I would give it a D plus, because, like, I can't give it in the C territory only because my my standards don't allow me to. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't think this is a film that I would, like, 
Like, it, if I were thinking of it on, like, a technical level, I would say F- minus because it's just awful. It's absolute oh, yeah, garbage. Oh, yeah, Technically, yes, F-. minus. But on entertainment value, it's a D+. Plus. Like, you, you, yeah. you can't watch this seriously. If you watch this movie seriously, you've made a mistake in your existence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you question all your life choices up to this point. Yeah, really. Like, you need to go see a therapist. Like, there's a whole thing you need. You need to work on your life. Because right. this is not a... It's called the giant spider invasion. Like, come on. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so between that, that gives us like a D plus C minus-ish. Like, it kind yeah. of uh, evens yeah, out. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. So, that's it, folks. We did it. Woo! Yay! So, uh, thanks everybody for joining us today for Torture Cinema. If you'd like to let us know, again, what you thought about the episode, go to skiffyandfanny.com slash listener suggestions. Before I get to all the other things about the show, I do want to say, Tanya, thank you so much for being here yet again. Thank you for having me. Always. It's, it's an easy choice. It's always a blast. I yeah. mean, I get to get drunk and make fun of movies. Like, what's not fun about that? I mean, like, honestly, life goals. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you are involved in some stuffs. And would you like to uh-huh. let folks know where they can find you and your stuffs? Yeah. Okay. So last month, I actually won an award for Best Fiction Podcast from um, Fiacon and the Ignite Award. So I'm still super excited about that. So you can find Nightlight on um, at Nightlight Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Nightlight Pod is also um, on Facebook. You can find me personally at Mystifying, M-I-S-S-D-E-F-Y-I-N-G on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. So everybody go check out Tanya's stuff because if you don't, I will cry. And I will haunt you in your sleep. That's true. Tanya exists in, uh, you know, multi-realities in which yes. she is both just regular Tanya, but also a poltergeist. Mm-hmm. An eldritch horror. Yep, yeah. that too. With tentacles yeah. and everything. All of yep. it. That's why I drink Kraken so much. Yeah, but no sphincter that eats people. No, 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 we're no. not doing that. No, that's for the discount monsters. Exactly. <laughs> I am a bougie monster. You're a bougie monster. I'll have you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, as for the show, you can find Skiffy Fanti on Twitter and Instagram at Skiffy Fanti, and you can get the newsletter at skiffyandfanti.com slash newsletter. And if you like the show, patreon.com slash skiffyandfanti is the best way to support the show. But you can also give reviews on iTunes, which mostly just exist to make us feel better about ourselves, because apparently the reviews don't do anything about findability, which is... Woo! Yay! Thanks a lot, guys. As for me, you can find me at Sean Duke on Twitter and... Uh, SeanDuke.net and Patreon.com slash TheJoyFactory if you if you want. You can find me there. So And you should want. Well, that's I mean, what's correct. wrong with you if you don't want? I mean, I don't know what's wrong with people, but people are... Look, it's 2021. We've been in 2020 for 75 years now. So Right. Give up the program. I don't know. Who knows? Who even knows with people anymore? <laughs> so uh, I will just note that after this, I will be going to talk to my wife but also my sister-in-law and also my cousin who is my sister-in-law's cousin-in-law. And we were going to be starting a diamond factory in which we marry different people and then share diamonds that we find. But those people will be in-laws of other people we've married just so we can have the most confusing family arrangement possible. Cool. And I'll find Ron Jeremy's dad. (laughs) Okay. That's way more (laughs) weird than what I just said. (laughs) And on that note... Awkward ending and see. <laughs>
If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening. <laughs>